0: And the truth is we take care of what we value don't we and if you don't value yourself you're not gonna take care of yourself so that's why I started last night with you got to know who you are because if you're gonna lead yourself well so you can serve with maximum impact and live out your purpose you have to believe that you have value so let that sink in you are valuable Hey, welcome to the Night Church Podcast.
1: You are joining us for a four-part series that was done at our young adult retreat by Pastor Benjamin Lundquist. He loves speaking to relevant issues that young adults are asking about, and so you're gonna really enjoy this. I can't wait for you to hear this series. Enjoy.
0: So if you're just joining us, I want to give you a, uh, a huge welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I felt like God uh, really encouraged me last night. How many of you, you felt the same way uh, by the, what, what was shared? And, you know, there was the message, but it was also so much community and connecting. I think I left this room at midnight. Uh, is, is that about right? It's like, what time is it? You know, it's midnight. And um, I know even at the table discussions that we're going to have again this morning, we could have gone on for another 15, 20 minutes at least. And then the worship was on fire, but then the after-worship <laughs> worship <laughs> was on fire. It was like every song that you love singing uh, in Sabbath school and summer camps, that, it just came to life again. It was like, you know, banana songs. Ab- like <laughs> <laughs> like Abraham songs, like it's the songs that I'm like, I'm never singing that again, but then I, I did wanna sing it again, you know? But anyway, that, that, was, that was really cool. So, <laughs> so good. Okay, so quick review. Um, we're talking about um, how do you move forward, you know, with your life? And I think there is no neutral with Jesus. He is always moving you forward. And uh, he is always moving you to another level of growth another level of confidence, another level of service, another level of understanding your unique wiring and your gifts. So we talked about last night, the first step in progressing and moving forward is is the step of knowing who you are. You have to start with who. Um, Somebody that I've met a few times, uh, there's a a leadership author named Simon Sinek. Anybody familiar with Simon Sinek? He's got a a couple of TED Talks that are some of the most popular um, on YouTube. Simon Sinek wrote a book that's called Start With Why. And it's the idea that you have to know why you're doing what you're doing. I would go a step a step earlier and say, you've gotta start with who you are so you can then understand why you were created and be able to live out that, that purpose that God has for you. We're gonna to talk tonight a lot about purpose and about calling and about life assignments. Um, so if you can hang around, I think that's gonna be a blessing to a lot of people. But we talked last night about The idea that you gotta know who you are and that our identity uh, doesn't come from what people say about us, amen. It doesn't come from what we do because we're gonna gonna have days that we hit home runs and we're gonna have days that we hit foul balls, if you wanna use a baseball analogy. So it's not about what people say about you, it's not about what you can do, it's not even about what you own. Because as we know from the pandemic, things that thrived in the fall of January tanked in the spring of 2020. So if your identity is tied to what other people say about you, they're going to love you and they're going to hate you sometimes. That's human nature. We don't love it, but that's kind of the reality. You may be a hero on social media, and then you may be uh, the butt of jokes, you know, and we saw a lot of that happen at the Oscars this last week. If you're you're tracking with, with that story, heroes can fall quick in the public eye so you can't tie your identity to what people say what you can do or even what you own our identity comes from what God says about us and knowing that we are his our identity does not come from our context or the conditions of what we're going through it comes from our Creator and so that's where our life starts and I think that's where we move forward is in you every day, reminding yourself because the loudest voice that speaks into your life is your own. You are always going to have you with you, Amen. And so you got to make sure that you is speaking truth into you. Uh, but but re- really understanding, you know, that idea of you are God's sons and daughters always, and in in your most complicated past and moments of insecurity there was never a time when you were not a son or a daughter amen you could have been on on a drug addiction close to the end of your life and you were a son or a daughter in that moment amen you could have had the relationship that you thought was going forever crash and burn and you were a son and a daughter in that moment that career door could have shut you're a son and a daughter in that moment amen and so you got to really anchor that you know that's where Um, I think it starts when we move forward, is knowing uh, whose we are and where our identity is anchored. So where I want to go today is this. This is going to be a, I would say, high-level, very, very practical teaching on how you lead yourself well from value. So here's the difference. You don't lead yourself well because you're hoping to achieve value you lead yourself well because you are already valuable big difference there's people that are trying to do a b c d they set goals 90 days three years whatever they're trying to achieve so they can achieve worth and value we're not about that game we are about leading ourselves well so we can impact the most people we can because we are already valuable big big difference so because you are valuable, you need to steward your life well. I was telling Daniel, not sure where Daniel is, that one of my words for 2022 is the word steward, meaning that you need to steward finances, relationships, thoughts, opportunities, Like, whatever you want to let in, you let in. Whatever you don't, you don't. Whatever you want to put energy into, you put energy into that. But you don't just let life happen to you. You navigate and steward the life that is available to you. And so when you think about leading yourself well, you and I are responsible for that. And Paul talked about that. And thank you for reading that scripture. Um, Beautiful. Getting to know you guys a little bit yesterday. Um, Brad and then Charlotte. Charlotte. Uh, So amazing, Charlotte um, is Russian and Brad is Ukrainian. And uh, we had a great conversation about that dynamic with the war in Ukraine and the effect that that has had on their family last night and how they're trying to keep giving hope and praying, checking in on family members on a regular basis. And they've got family members that are fleeing, shifting, as we speak to different parts of the world to try to find uh, safety. But just a great conversation with you guys last night. But Paul talked about that an athlete disciplines his or her body because it is our responsibility to steward what God has given us. You kind of know what I'm talking about? So Paul's basically saying, I can minister to everybody, but if I don't take care of me, I may miss the gift that God is offering me because I'm not stewarding me. Let me just give it to you straight. The only person who can lead you is you, or the first person at least. We're responsible for that. We are responsible for leading us. The hardest person you will ever lead is you, (laughs) okay? It's the hardest person. If you can figure out how to lead you, you will have a, a great chance of being an effective leader for other people. And I'll just say it if nobody has told told it to you yet, I'm sure Philip has, but every person in this room is a leader. leader. Leadership is not about titles and positions. Titles and positions simply give focus and responsibility to influence. But leadership is about influence. How many of you by a show of hands have influence in this room? Everybody does. Everybody should raise a hand because you have influence over somebody else so every person in this room is a leader amen and the first person we are called to lead is who is is us i could stand up here and i could give you a few um glory stories about some great leadership moments i'm not going to do that what i'm going to do is give you a story about when i didn't lead myself well and the impact that that had on myself and my family. I always believe that we learn more from people's failures than we do from their trophy cases. So let me just share with you a failure that happened. I I would call it a failure. I'm not a failure, but the moment and the situation was a failure moment. Um, I was leading a project in uh, Arizona and we had a lot of ministry momentum. And so I pitched this idea to a team that we were gonna close our doors on a Sabbath morning uh, at our church, and we were going to launch a project called Servant Sabbath, kind of sounds sounds fun. The idea was that we were going to um, put together about 20 different community projects. Church members were going to be invited to come, dress down to get out in the community. We were going to have a little worship in the morning, and then we were going to go out and serve in these 20 projects for about three or four hours, come back, have a great meal, just kind of talk about what God had done. I was the project and event organizer. So on the the Sabbath morning of the project, we didn't know how many people were going to show up. You know, when you ask people to come and serve on a Sabbath morning, you don't know how many people are going to come out. So I show up at the church early and I'm just kind of watch him and people start streaming in. This is crazy. 400 400 people showed up, all dressed down, ready to serve. So they came in the sanctuary and I'm leading out, so I get up in front of everybody and I just kind of focus people on being the hands and feet of Jesus and everybody has giftedness and just kind of sharing with people this perspective on you all have a contribution to make, we're going to go out and serve. So I I did that little speech and that talk. We prayed over our time together and then we sent people out uh, to do the projects normally i'm somebody who wants to be in the trenches like let me go get paint on my hands alongside you and let's serve together i couldn't do that the reason i couldn't do that is i was so burned out emotionally and physically from not leading myself well in the month prior to to that, that event that when i said amen i had nothing left in the tank i had nothing left in my cup i was fully depleted so i sent everybody out they all got mashed up to projects so instead of going out in the community I went to the baptistry, this is like real <laughs> real talk here. I went to the baptistry at the uh, church that we were hosting this gathering. I went to the baptistry, went into the bathroom, I locked the door and I laid on the floor in the fetal position for four hours. So here I am, the event organizer. Like I'm the, <laughs> I'm the one launching the event and spearheading this thing, but I am so burned out that I lay on the floor, fetal position, and I end up falling asleep for three to four hours on the bathroom floor, as if I was a little kid that was 10 years old. So I'm laying on the floor, spent. I just had nothing left. Holy Spirit's timing is so good, because I got woken up like 10 minutes before everybody came back to the church. And I'm like, I'm glad that happened. Came back, you know, felt a little bit better. We finished out the day, and, and, and I think God got the glory and it was great. But it was really a moment for me to reflect that I had led myself so poorly that when I had an opportunity, big opportunity, to serve the people around me, I had nothing left in the tank. And I had, my cup was completely depleted. And when I think back to why was, I, why was I in this position, I can trace it back and know exactly how I got to where I was at. It wasn't a mystery. Here's what I did. I did not discipline myself with the life-giving habits that I needed. I wasn't connecting with mentors. I wasn't eating well. I wasn't exercising well and taking care of my body. I was saying yes to way too much. And the truth is, every time you say yes to more, you say no to something else. Because you only have so much time. So whenever you take more onto your plate, if you're not relieving your plate of something, you are headed towards burnout. And so I had just kept saying yes and yes and yes, um, not knowing that I could be empowered to say no, not knowing that every good invitation is not God's great invitation to you, not knowing that something that looks really good could actually distract from the purpose that God has for me. I'll just give you that piece of, uh, be free in, with, with this little piece of advice. You don't have to say yes to everything. You don't. Not every good invitation is God's great invitation for you. So I had not led myself low with my habits. I had said yes to way too much. And here's what else I had done. I had um, measured my success in that month prior by my intentions instead of the results that I was getting in my life. So I let myself off the hook from what I knew I should be doing because in my mind, I justified it by saying, well, at least I tried. When it comes to leading yourself well, trying is its a good effort, but it's not good enough. Because just trying without responsibility and, and accountability for me, giving that to me, left me burned out. So when you think about leading yourself well, it matters, and somebody pushed back on me on social media one time. They said, "Leading yourself well—it sounds so selfish." I get it, okay, but 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 hear me on this: leading yourself well is not selfish. It's essential because the end game of leading yourself well, Daniel, anybody else who serves the community, the end game is serving other people from a cup that is filled up from a place of hope, in a place of health. That's why you lead yourself well. If you don't lead yourself well, you have nothing to give anybody else. You know, you kind of know what I'm talking about? And so the reason you lead yourself well is because you're valuable. And the truth is, we take care of what we value, don't we? Yeah. And if you don't value yourself, you're not gonna take care of yourself. So that's why I started last night with you gotta know who you are. Because if you're going to lead yourself well, so you can serve with maximum impact and live out your purpose, you have to believe that you have value. So let that sink in. You are valuable. My first car was a 1966 Mustang. It's amazing. (laughs) My parents and I split it 50-50. I paid them back. I washed that old Mustang four times a week. Four times a week I would roll up to red lights and people would roll up next to me and just drool like like oh my goodness this car is amazing you know I, I washed that 40 year old car four times a week did it need it no it didn't but why did I take care of the car because I valued the car when you see value in yourself you will take care of yourself it is not selfish, it's essential. Why is it essential? Because the end game is so you can, you can serve, live, and lead from a place of health, a place of wholeness. And we're always going to be leading ourselves well for the rest of our life. So it's not a, I get to a plateau, that I'm all good. You're always thinking about this. So how do you do it? I'm going to dive in. This is going to be, is it okay if it's really practical? This is going to be very, very practical. How do you lead yourself well? First uh, thing I want to give you is just a, a couple foundational statements, and then I'm going to walk you through five steps, then we're going to do a QA. and a So when it comes to leading yourself well, three foundational pieces that I want to give you is this. If you are going to lead yourself well, you have to believe in your worth and value, okay? We talked about that last night. So you have to believe in your worth and value for you. You are always a son and a daughter. It is God, okay? who places the worth and value in your life. It's not earned and it cannot be lost. So you gotta believe in your worth and value. Second thing is, I talk about this a lot on my podcast. Second thing is, you have to take extreme ownership of your life. What that means, and I hope you take this from a place of love, okay? What that means is, no more making excuses. No more making excuses. I can't because of eight. No, no more making excuses. You have one life to live. You steward your life well. Your life is not just about you. Your life is so much bigger than you. It's about what God has put in you to bless and change the world. You have to take extreme ownership of your life, which means no more making excuses. And second, no more casting blame on other people. And no more casting blame on your circumstances. Well, I could lead myself better if, no, you just lead yourself better. No more casting blame, no more making excuses. Remember, we are the ones who are responsible for leading our life. You're not gonna figure it out overnight, okay? <gasps> okay, that's good, okay? But you gotta start thinking in that direction that I have to recognize my worth and value first. I have to be willing to take extreme ownership of my life second. No more casting blame. No more making excuses. And third, just foundational piece is this. You need to always practice self-awareness. And what I mean by that is, um, how many of you are 25-ish? Anybody 25-ish? Okay. <laughs> He's like, listen, <laughs> be confident that you're 20. Like, you are like, like, what, what is, what is this? Like, hey, how many are you 25? Anybody 25? Okay. That's good. All right. Be, be, be confident, you know, that you're 25. You know, it's great. So, think about this. When it comes to practicing self-awareness, just foundational pieces, okay? Say so you're worth of value, extreme ownership, self-awareness. If you're 25, this is probably true. You're not the same person you were at 20, So you always have to be practicing self-awareness of seeking on a deeper level who God has called and created you to be in this moment and in this chapter of your life. Just because you knew who you were five years ago, some of that still carries over. But you're different. You've gone through some things. You have grown in certain areas. So you always wanna be practicing self-awareness. God, help me understand who you have created and called me to be in this assignment, this season, and this chapter of my life. You kind of with me on this one? So you want to be looking at that. You could go into tools like StrengthsFinder and 16PF or Conversations with Mentors, whatever it is, but you want to be asking the question, like, how am I wired What is going on? Who am I in this season and this moment of my life? We're going to talk about life assignments a lot more tonight. So, bless you. you. (laughs) So, foundational pieces, and then we're going to get real practical. What are they? First, you've got to see your worth and value for you, because you will not take care of anything that you do not value. You've got to see your worth and value for you. Second thing is, you've got to take extreme... Ownership of your life, which means two things. No more casting blame and no more what? Making excuses. Okay? With God, you'll figure it out. Amen and amen and amen. We'll figure this out. Okay? And then three, you always want to be practicing what? Self-awareness. Who has God made, created, crafted, equipped, wired, gifted me to be at this place in my life at 25 years old? that is gonna be a little different than when I was 20 or when you're 30, it's gonna be different, okay? So let's talk real practically. That's the foundation. How do you do it, okay? How do you lead yourself well? I'm gonna give you what has worked for me. It seems like it has worked for thousands of other people as well, but I'm just sharing with you what has worked for me. I would just empower you with this. You have to build something that works for you, Take what I'm going to share, tweak, change, adjust, figure out what works for you, but I'm just going to share with you what has worked for me. Is that okay? And then you can change it the way you need to change it. I'm not telling you in any way that you have to do what I've done, okay? This is just what has worked for me. Okay, so here we go. And I, 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 I appreciate you saying that. I, I'll honestly say this. I wish somebody had told me this at 20 years of age. I wish that I... I had thought about leading myself well at 20 instead of in my early 30s because it was just off the radar. I didn't think, I didn't think about it. Nobody was talking about, about this kind of stuff in my circle. So here we go. Step number one, okay? Assess honestly where you are at. If you want to move forward, you have to know where you are at today. You kind of with me on this one? When I was putting in the coordinates for this camp that I thought was in the middle of nowhere and I thought I was going to Lost Canyon, never to be seen again, (laughs) and then all of a sudden this expensive gate popped up and I'm like, what is happening here? I don't know what was going on, okay? When I was putting in the coordinates, you can have the coordinates of where you wanna go, but it doesn't matter if you don't have the coordinates of where you're at. You can't get to where you wanna be if you don't know where you are. And so you have to assess honestly where you are at in the moment. I'm gonna give you my five top assessment questions. These are, these have helped me out so much. Five top assessment questions to just assess where you are at right now. I would recommend after the retreat, Philip, I would recommend everybody carve carve out 30 minutes to an hour in the next month and do a deep dive with these five questions. After you have done a deep dive sometime in the next month, I would, I would recommend that you maintain the assessment by looking at these questions once a month. Don't ask them every day because you'll stress yourself out. Don't ask them every day like, hang on, okay, before breakfast, I got to assess what is going on tomorrow. I'm assessing, I'm stressed, you know, so don't do that, okay, you got to do a deep dive because you're going to hit these for the first time, so in the next month, do an hour, 30 minutes to an hour, and then maintain that by every month, just diving into those once a month, okay? Five assessment questions that I think have really helped me out. Number one, this is great. Number one, what is going right in your life right now, okay? What is going right? I'll just say this. We do not celebrate the things that are going right enough. We put our focus and attention so easily on everything that has not come through Every door that has shut. Everything that has not worked out. Listen, you are at a retreat in this beautiful spot. Something has worked out in your life. You're here. So make a list of whatever is right in your life right now. How many of you at least have one friend in your life? Something, you guys look like you were real supportive of each other. You just became friends today? Yeah. Oh yeah, you've been friends for a while? So, um, write down things that are going right, and the idea is this, if something is going right, you want to maximize it. Don't just let something that's going right stay. If you have an online business, and it's going really well, you don't just maintain, you grow, and you expand. Okay, so whatever it is, whatever's going right, you want to maximize that like, oh, no, it's good. Let me just sit back. No, don't sit back in cruise control. If God is blessing your life in a certain way, you want to level that up. Like, how do we expand it, you know? And you're going to have the bandwidth to do that because you're leading yourself well. So question number one is what is going right? Question number two is the opposite. What is going wrong in your life right now? I would describe it like this. Something is wrong if it is stopping your forward progress, if if it is hindering you serving people from who God has called and created you to be. What is going wrong? Maybe it's the wrong community, wrong habits, wrong life rhythms, you're overextended, you're serving in an area that is so far from your gifting that it is draining you. Whatever it is, what is going wrong? If you find something in your life that's going wrong, you only have two options. Okay, this is just speaking speaking uh, straight to you. You only have two options: you change it or you kill it. That's it. Don't kill it if it's a person. But uh, maybe stop. Maybe maybe stop it is a better. Maybe stop it is a better word. But if something is going if something is going wrong, you either change it or you stop it altogether, because it's hindering you from moving forward in becoming who God has called and created you to be. So what's going right? What's going wrong? Third question for the assessment is what is missing in your life right now? I'm sure after the two years of this pandemic that you can think about some things in your life that are missing. What is missing? Is it community? Is it purpose? Is it connection? But what is it that is missing in your life? And obviously you wanna add if something is Missing. So what is missing in your life? Question number four is what in your life right now is confusing? How many of you have something in your life right now? (laughs) I see some funny smirks. What's your name? Uh, Katrina. (laughs) Katrina? Uh, Katrina. Okay, so Katrina, just, yeah, there must be a backstory maybe to the (laughs) certain questions. But what in your life is confusing? If it's confusing, take it to God. If it's confusing, ask the Holy Spirit to give you clarity. If it's confusing, start making a list of your mentors who know you and love you and start talking to, to them, to, to, to him or her, about what is going on in that part of your life. So what is going right, what's going wrong, what's missing, what's confusing, and finally, Carl, where do you want to be in 90 days? Where, if somebody were to ask me, where do you want to be in five years? I don't know. Five years to me, is it's, it's, it's almost too big and too far out, but 90 days feels very attainable. That's three months. Where do you wanna be in 90 days? I wanna have made a career shift. I wanna add two more mentors to my life in the next 90 days. I wanna have visited three of my family members that I was isolated from with the pandemic that I haven't seen in two years. So where do you wanna be in 90 days? So you do that assessment, okay? That's step number one. Do that assessment, there's only five. That's step number one, you just do the assessment. Here is where I am at. Do the deep dive in the next month, okay? Does that, that makes sense to everybody? So where am I at, okay? Step number two, which I think is so fun, step number two is you need to cast a new vision for your life. Based on your assessment, you need to cast a new vision. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Jake Mulder, who works for the Fuller Youth Institute, I think Pastor Philip knows Jake, he says that a vision is a shared story of future hope. It is a story that compels you to move forward. And so based on your assessment, you've got to vision a little bit, like what areas of your life matter most. What would you, where would you like to see your life come alive? What would you, what do you want to see God do in different parts of your life? But you need to vision a little bit. Like what would excite you? What would birth a passion inside of you that would call you to get up at 5 a.m. If you normally don't do that because that vision is so compelling. Let me just put this out there. If the vision for your life is not getting you out of bed in the morning, it's the wrong vision. And it could be somebody else's vision that you just stole because you saw somebody's vision on IG and it's, I think we just had a confession, this man's like, you call me up, that's me, that's me, hey bro, you know that was a repost, no, I'm just messing, you. you do a repost, you just change the name at the bottom to your name, I get it. Let's not talk about that. Okay, but you've got to figure out like what are the most important areas of your life and create a little vision. Don't overcomplicate this. Like what is something that you are going to be excited about being involved with and growing in those different areas of your life? So number one, what are you doing? You've got to honestly assess where you are at, okay? Number two, you need to cast a new vision for your life. Research supports this. It's crazy, but it goes back to our declaration statement. If you write something down on paper, a vision, a goal, a declaration, it increases the chance of that coming to fruition by 50%. Just by writing it down. Why? Because if you can write it down and articulate it, you have clarity on it. And if you have clarity on it, then you know you can do something with this. So just writing the vision down already ups it 50% that it could actually happen. So, okay, again, in review, assess where you're at, take some time to vision what areas of your life matter most and what's gonna be a vision that's gonna be, um, you're gonna be passionate about, you know, in those areas of life that matter most. Then the rubber meets the road. How are you going to actually accomplish that? I'm going to share with you some really fun stuff. So in order to accomplish your vision, you need to build a system of habits that guarantees the vision will come to fruition. Most people, how many of you set New Year's resolutions? Anybody? I feel like there's been pushback on New Year's resolutions lately. I still like to set them. Um, But think about this. A New Year's resolution is not bad in itself, it's just not the full package. So if you wanna set a New Year's resolution, which is essentially a goal or a vision, you can guarantee that that New Year's resolution will come to fruition if you build and execute a system of habits. That guarantees that thing is gonna happen. So if you have a vision for whatever area of your life matters most, you need to build a system of habits that will guarantee you're gonna make progress in the areas of life that matter most. I'm gonna share with you something that has helped me out so much. Uh, I was always confused and overwhelmed about building systems of habits. It didn't even sound fun. Like the word habit doesn't even, it's not like, oh, let's go talk about habits. Um, I don't know, it didn't excite me. And I was always confused, so here's what I would do. I would build this weird system of habits And then like a month later, nothing was even happening with my habits. And I felt like a failure, so I just kind of like, I don't know, like I'll I'll just try some stuff. Here's what really has helped me. Think about an area in your life that you wanna grow based on your vision, based on your honest assessment. And this is the secret sauce, here we go. You got an area that you wanna grow. Ask yourself these questions. What do I need to do every day? What do I need to do every week? What do I need to do every month? What do I need to do every six months? And what do I need to do every year to grow in that area that matters most to me based on my vision, based on the honest assessment? That kind of makes sense? So simply asking like, okay, what do I need to do every day? Okay, I can, I can handle that. Like, I think I can think about that. What do I need to do every week, every six months, and then every year? and I can grow in that area. And then the rubber meets the road that you have to actually execute that system of habits. And here's the cool thing, you control your system of habits. If it's not working, change it. Because who's leading you? You're leading you. So you can shift and change what needs to be changed. But you need to look at, look at building a system of habits by saying, what do I have to do every day, every week, every month, every six months, and every year? Benjamin, what would that look like? Let me give you two case studies. Second one is about growing my marriage, which will be really fun. Okay, but here's the first one. Let's just say everyone in this room raises their hands and you say, I recognize that I am a leader. Let's raise our hand. We recognize that we are all leaders in this room. Leadership is about influence. Everybody in this room has influence. So if you said, I want to grow as a leader, here is a system of habits that you could build that I, that I often try for me. Every day, Monday to Friday, you are going to listen to a leadership podcast. M- multitask, in the car, when you're working out, whatever you do. So a leadership podcast every day. S- t- take Sabbath and Sunday off, you're going to hit five leadership podcasts a week. Even if you just did that over a year, you are gonna grow leaps and bounds. But let's take it a step further. Yeah, that's that's a good one, we'll talk about that. (laughs) So, about Monday to Friday, you're gonna hit a podcast, okay? Every week, you are gonna have one conversation with a mentor. Texting, phone call, but somebody who loves you and is journeying with you and is pushing you a little bit to reach your fullest potential. You're gonna have a conversation with a mentor. Does that seem doable so far? Every month, you are going to listen to a leadership audio book or you're going to buy the book and read it, okay, Um, while you're driving in the car. So you're doing a podcast five days a week. You're doing one conversation with a mentor. You're doing one book per month. And then every six months, you are going to look for a a developmental training that you can do. could be an online course. It could be a... um, you know maybe a one-day training but something that you can do to grow a skill in a certain area of your life so you're gonna do two of those a year every six months and then once a year you're gonna attend fingers crossed we hope after the pandemic you're gonna attend a world-class leadership in person conference we used to go to one called catalyst uh, uh philip and i did while well, back when it was in uh, irvine they've since shut down but can you, can you, you kind of understand how that rhythm works uh, when it comes to daily, weekly, monthly, every six months, every year? Let's talk about marriage. Anybody interested in what that could look like? <laughs> okay. All right, so here we go. So one of, my, one of my two or three most important life areas is always my relationship with, with my wife, Kim, always. Like we want to be growing. We're a team, you know? <laughs> So, but a team grows with intentionality. So, when you think about that daily, weekly, monthly, every six months, every year, here is what that would look like in my marriage. Every day, Kim and I have 20 minutes of uninterrupted conversation that is phone-free. And you may think, well, that's not that much. Folks, (laughs) in this day and age, okay, this day and age... 20 minutes can be a lot. So 20 minutes of phone-free conversation every day. Okay, checking in. How are you doing? What's going on at work? My wife's a nurse. We talk about that kind of stuff. That's every day. Every week, we are going to do a date every week. That may be a day date when the kids are in school. That may be um, an evening date with a babysitter. It may be takeout and a Netflix documentary when the kid's (laughs) <laughs> she's like, that one sounds the best to me. <laughs> okay. It could be a late night date night, you know, uh, take some, some Thai food takeout, Netflix documentary late at night. But the idea is you are putting something on the calendar where you both are connecting every week, okay? Every month, we are going to set a full day aside for us every month. Sunday, Sabbath, sometimes the kids may come, we got two kids, sometimes they may not. But we're gonna set a day aside on the calendar that we are planning together or she plans or I plan, but we have something we're looking forward to every month together. You see how this works? Every six months, we are gonna do a weekend away. And we are gonna set away a weekend where we are gonna connect and, and be together as a family or just Kim and I connect and we send the kids down to my parents' house. But whatever we're gonna do, we're gonna do a a weekend away every six months. What's it gonna look like every year? Every year we're gonna do a what? A week away, okay? So every week you got a, every year you have a week that you are dedicating to investing in your relationship. So you're always thinking about this rhythm of daily, weekly, monthly, every six months, every year, and you change it up as you need to. But it gives you a guide and a system of habits so you can grow in the areas of life that matter most was that helpful to anybody okay so um we got to move kind of quick so number one is assess honestly where you were at how you're doing number two is cast a new what a vision for your life if it doesn't compel you it's not the right vision can't be somebody else's vision can't be somebody's instagram vision Okay, you can put your vision on IG, just make sure it's your own vision, okay? Um, So assess honestly, cast new vision, then build a system of habits for the two, maximum three areas that you wanna grow. Don't overcomplicate this. Like, okay, I got a vision. I'm gonna grow in these 21 (laughs) areas. You're probably not, because it's gonna be too complicated, okay? Keep it simple. Two or three areas, that's it. One or two that you can focus on. Build a system of habits, and then you got to execute. Okay? you got to get up and do what you need to do to execute that system of habits. Last two steps I want to give you is this. When it comes to leading yourself well, step number four is um, build a personal board around yourself. Hear my heart on this. You cannot lead for a lifetime by yourself. It will not happen. My... One of my visions from my life is I want to be a better leader at 70 or 80 than I am right now. And if you want to go the distance in life and leadership, we were built for community. You need to surround yourself with people who can pour into you and you can pour into them. I see too many leaders. I mean, heartbreaking things. And we could go into stories of stuff that I know behind the scenes, Big C Church, of leaders that have fallen in the last three years. The common thread that I have heard from people, without naming any organizations, of key, very influential leaders who have fallen is that they had nobody in their life speaking truth into them. And they surrounded themselves with people who told them exactly what they wanted to hear instead of what they needed to hear in the moment. If you want to go the distance, you need to have a personal board that you are surrounding your life with. Good friend of ours named Randy Bam. He worked with um, Arise for a number of years. He is one of the uh, one of the leaders for the Jordan Brand. You ever heard of the Jordan Brand? They do okay for themselves. <laughs> okay, and uh, Randy has given us so many tours of the Nike organization because it's in Beaverton on the west side of Portland, where where I live. One thing you know about Nike is they have a CEO. Um, or CFO, but that individual would, would never be making solo decisions. That individual is always making decisions based on the input, data, and the research from a board of trustees and a board of people. Don't be making key life decisions by yourself. Like you need people that are helping you sort through the complexities of life. Should I marry this person? Should I take this new job in Florida when my family is in California? Should I ask for this raise? And if I wanna do that, what's the right language so that can be accepted and have the greatest chance of actually happening? Whatever it is, make sure you got people around you. So step four is simply over, hear me on this, over your lifetime, build a personal board around yourself. You're not gonna build it overnight. You're gonna build it over your lifetime. People have asked me one of the big questions where do I start? Can I buy somebody off Amazon? Can I, you know, like Amazon, like I like to order three mentors, they come Amazon Prime. (laughs) Are they vegetarian? Are they Seventh day Adventist? You know, whatever, whatever. Okay, here's the thing where you start is this first, start by knowing who you're looking for. Who you want to have around you are people that fit into three categories. Number one, is you need some cheerleaders on your personal board. You, you like that? Yeah. A cheerleader is somebody who's always lifting you up. They're always picking you up. They're speaking life into you. I think Pastor Philip, in part of his wiring, is a cheerleader for so many people. You kind of with me? Speaking life, lifting people up. You need, you need it, yeah, you could give, were you applauding? Yeah, let, hey, let, let's do that, man. <laughs> For real. <laughs> but you need a few people in your life that are just going to cheerlead you. Like when the when you have a bad day, like you call these people and you're like, "Speak something into me. Like it's just been a bad day instead of sitting solo in your apartment wallowing in the bad day. Bring somebody into the bad day with you. Kind of know what I'm talking about? So you need a few cheerleaders in your life. Second group is, you need a few mentors in your life. A mentor is somebody who is willing to journey with you. You bless their life. It's not, it's not, it doesn't go one direction. You bless their life. They bless your life. They see your potential. They're per- pushing you to achieve what God has put into you. But, but they're mentors. Here's the great thing. You don't even have to call people mentors. Just call them friends. Friends. And connect with them on a regular basis. And it's not just about take, take, take. It's about how can I bless you? It's a relationship. So you need a few cheerleaders, you need a few mentors in your life. And here's what I'll say some mentors are gonna be with you for life. I've got a a friend uh, over in Georgia, he has been a mentor of mine for almost 25 years. But I have other people who have mentored me for a season. So some are gonna roll with you for life and some may only be in your life because of what is going on in your life at that moment. So you got a couple uh, cheerleaders, a couple mentors, and then one or two, hear me on this, you don't need a lot, one or two critics. Critics are the people who are gonna see your caution areas. They're gonna see your untapped potential. They're gonna see those potential pitfalls that you may be glossing over or not recognizing. So you need a critic or two. Do not put 20 critics on your board, <laughs> okay? You'll never move forward. <laughs> but you need one or two who love you enough to tell you what you need to hear, okay? Somebody can come up to you and say, um, I'm looking for some name tags. What, what's your, what, tell me your name again. Lindy? Lindy? No. Landy or Lindy? Lindy? Landy, okay. Somebody who's gonna come up to, and say, Landy, I see something in, in you and I know there is more in that area. Like you've got a gift that I've been watching slowly develop for three years and there is more that God wants to do in that gift. You kind of you see what I'm talking about? So you need some people in your life. Where do you start? I would start by this. I would just look at people you already know and take some time to select a few people in that cheerleader mentor category who are already in your network, and then you simply hit them up and ask them a question. Hey, can you tell me what would you do here? What do you think about this? What's going on in your life? But just start a little relationship, and chances are you can start with a person or two who are already in your network that you already know. Amen? Okay, so we're almost done. So number one, you are assessing honestly where you're at, Number two, you are what? Casting a new vision for your life, a vision that's gonna compel you forward. Number three, you're building a system of habits and you're gonna execute that will help you grow in that area of life that matters most. And then you've got uh, number four is you're gonna build a personal board over your lifetime. Hear my heart, don't do life in leadership alone. You're gonna, you're gonna build that personal board over a lifetime. And then number four, uh, number five, last one is this, You need to pass the baton to somebody else. Remember, the whole goal of leading yourself well is so you can empower other people to lead themselves well. The uh, women's U.S. track and field team for three summer game um, Olympics always finished second and third on the podium when their skill level should have had them in first. Far superior, far superior. Athletes, training, supplements, the whole works. They ended up in the two or three spot in the podium because they always fumbled the baton pass. When they were going in the four by 400, they dropped the baton, fumbled the baton, messed up the baton, okay? We are called to pass the baton to other people. I'll simply say this. You need to be mentoring a few people. That's what I'm going to say. One or two. You know, start with there. Who are a few people that you can journey with, that you can speak life into, that you can advocate for, that you can give somebody a leg up, and you may think, well, I'm, only, I'm 20, I'm 25. Like, what do I have to offer way more than you realize? Tell somebody what you wish somebody had told you at 15. Tell somebody what you wish somebody had told you at 18 or 20 or 25 or 30. You have so much to offer the up and coming next generation. Pass the baton of what people have given you. Pass the baton to other people, amen? Has this been helpful? I hope it's been helpful. Last three things I'd share, then we'll come up and do a little Q and A if we got some time. Last three things I would share is this. In the process of leading yourself well, give yourself a lot of grace. Stuff comes up. Anybody, did, was there anybody in this room that knew in March 2020 that we were gonna have a pandemic? Probably not, maybe some people did. I didn't, okay, car, Carl, says he, car, Carl says he did. Um, but things are gonna come up, I just wanna encourage you, give yourself a lot of grace. If you build a system of habits and the whole thing just falls apart and, and, and it's, not, it's not working, okay? It's not working. Go back to your worth and value. Remember what God has said about you and try again. Get back on that horse and just get back up. You don't have to do it perfect. It's not about perfection. It is about progress. So just get back up, reclaim your worth and value from God, rebuild a system of habits, and just try again. You kind of with me on this one? And finally, I would say this. If you build a system of habits and it's not working, own that and change it. You're not tied into anything. You are building something for you that works for you. Why? Because you want to live and lead from a place of health and wholeness. Hear my heart on this. I, no, I say that a lot. Hear my heart on this. I want you to be a life-giving leader, not just a surviving leader. Be a life-giving leader. Life-giving leaders lead themselves well because they know whose they are and they know the value that they have, and they know that if you have something of value, you take care of what is valuable. It's not selfish, it's essential, so you can serve, love, and bless other people. I'm gonna leave you with that. Thanks so much.
2: Once again, thank you so much oh, incredible message. So we're going to do a little bit of Q&A here like we did yesterday evening. So I'm going to start off with a question and then I'm going to pass it off to you all. So if you've got any questions or anything, think of something. I will do my best to keep an eye out for the hands raised and choose people. Those are friends. really cool shoes you oh, have yeah, on, by the way. Outdoor slippers. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I like I, this. Um, yeah, I love them. They're fantastic. So <laughs> there was something you said during the message that uh, kind of struck me. Yep. Um, you talked very briefly about a shared story of future hope, and that's a phrase I've actually heard a number of times. It's a, a Scott Cormode original, yep. one of my professors in seminary. So I that
0: is who that, hear, is who that is who that is. Yeah,
2: So I'd love to hear you unpack that a little bit because I've heard it a lot, but I I think there is like more under the surface to the phrase. So t- tell me a little bit about your thoughts in that regard.
0: Yeah, I would say, you know, if you're if you're thinking about a vision for, let's say, a, a vision for Praxis, if Praxis is going to have a shared story of future hope, the vision needs to be shared by Praxis. You cut you kind of with me, like it's not just Pastor Phillips' vision or uh, Pastor Kelly's vision or anybody else, but it is a shared vision that brings hope to the community. That the that the yo is that okay. That the, <laughs> the community <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. that the community has built together, so it's a shared vision or story of future hope that the community has a vested interest in and they're backing that, that forward. So that would be praxis organizationally. As an individual, I think you want to have a vision for your life that not only compels you, but is supported by the people who know and love you. If you cast a vision for your life and the people who are the closest to you who genuinely know and love you are like, I just don't know if I'm buying into that, you know, and there may be times when people don't always get it. But I think what you're, what you're looking for is if God is going to give a vision to you and he has brought people into your inner circle, chances are they are also going to see the vision that God has put on your life. So I think as you look at solidifying a vision for what you want to do in the next 90 days or or five years, float that vision by your mentors, by the people who are closest to you, and you are looking ideally for a shared vision that is going to give you and your circle hope on where God is leading you in, in your life.
2: All right. Thank you. So let's open it up to the floor here. That's firsthand. I see right there in the back, and then I'll come around.
0: Ooh, man, okay, so the, so the scenario is, you have somebody in your life, I'm going to read between the lines, could be a family member, uh, could be somebody you have a lot of relational history with, and that relationship is toxic. And I'm going to say a relationship is toxic if it is stopping you from reaching your God potential. It is a toxic relationship. Let's call things out for what they are. Here is what I would, um, here's the, the line that I would walk. If you've known somebody for a long time, it can be very traumatic if you just drop that person. Like, we're done, no explanation, and that could be traumatic, and that could not be serving that person well. The line I would walk would be this. You still want to maintain some level of influence in the life of that person, but hands down, you need to create distance from that person. So you need to make sure that you are creating a healthy distance while you look for other life-giving people to connect with, where that person may have a small influence on your life, but it's not significant because it's at a great enough distance where you're having a much more positive influence by other people. So my, my thought would be, I guess I would also say this, um, if I'm just being real honest, if it's, if it's an abusive relationship, verbally, physically, you need to be in a place of safety. And that may mean right away, distance right now. It's gonna say like it is, you know, if if something is in that kind of a a place of toxicity, you may need to create distance right away. This may not be that kind of a scenario, and it's really about just creating distance so that individual does not have that same amount of influence and impact in your life, while you try to surround yourself with people who are life-giving, you pray about it. Maybe God brings you back around to that person and you adjust the amount of time you spend together later. But I think right away, you recognize they're not healthy for me, it, they could be toxic and I need to create some distance you know, with that person. Doesn't mean sever, uh, severing the relationship right away altogether, it could. I don't know that the scenario. But at least think about creating some distance with that with that person. All
2: right, thank you. So, Madeline, I see you, but I'm going to try to get some people who did not talk last night. But I will come back to you if we have time. So I think I saw Derek here, and then I'll come over to Matt.
0: Um, I like the idea of mentors. Yep. Um, I don't, I, where do I go to find? Uh, is that Amazon? Yeah. <laughs> Are you telling me what I just told you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here, here's the thing. When it comes to mentors, don't overcomplicate it. And what I mean by that is, you don't ever have to call somebody a mentor for them to be a mentor for you. You could have a mentor on social media. I've met people who have spoken into my life because we connected through Instagram and we built up this relationship where I add value in some way and that person adds some value to me. Um, so you don't even have to call them your mentor. And for a lot of people, that's that would be weird. You know, like to walk up and say, you know, no, no small talk. Uh, what, what's, your, what's your name? Luis. Okay. Hey, Luis, I just want to thank you for being my mentor. <laughs> and Luis may say, we've never even gone to In-N-Out together. Like we, don't even, like, we don't even know each other. Okay? You don't have to use that language. A mentor is somebody who journeys with you on a deeper level in a way that is relationally beneficial to each other. You're adding value to each other. So, what I would recommend is this. Look at your network that already exists. I would highlight two or three people who have more experience than you in an area that you wanna grow, or they're thriving in an area where you're just surviving, they're thriving. I would reach out because you already know them, and I would start asking them questions. Don't, don't make it weird like, man, I'm just, I'm searching for a mentor. I cannot find anybody, like, and then you like go in for a weird hug, like, it would mean so much for me. Then you whisper, if you could be my mentor. They're like, okay, listen, don't make it weird. Like, don't make it awkward. Like, you got a network, you know people, somebody's thriving, you're just surviving, put their name on a piece of paper, reach out, start asking questions, and pray about it, and just see where the relationship goes from there. I have seen that most people that are very successful or have experienced success in a certain life area, they want to share that. <laughs> Entrepreneurship, marriage, financial management, whatever it is, ministry, if God has blessed them, I mean, they want to share, you know, that with other people. So that, that's what I would recommend. Okay. All right.
2: Thank you. Matt. Oh, I that. that was a whole time Yep.
0: Hey, why, what, why, why? why? <laughs> What's the guy next to him? Gus. In the blue? Gus. Hey, when you said 40s, why did Gus point to himself? <laughs> that, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> 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 no, I, think, I
2: don't know if that's a are talking about. I mean, think, somewhat, yeah, I want like an old church guy to come and tell me what Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have old church guys. That was
0: college for me. I want a professor to come and fix my life. Yeah. Yeah, we can't fix that. So two things I would say, and I, I, I 100% relate to what you're saying. Two things I would say with this. One would be don't get hung up on age. There is something that comes with age, but there's also something that just comes with life experience, and there could be somebody who's three years older who has just been down the road three years into that, that area that matters most, and they had some stuff that they can share. Most seasoned, I don't like to call people old, but my, like, like, hey, hey uh, you're like seasoned salt, you know? But most people who are seasoned are, are terrified that they cannot relate to the younger younger demographic. They don't believe that they have anything to offer a younger generation. So here would be my recommendation. As you feel led, take ownership and go find that person. Don't wait for them to come to you, but go find that person and maybe you share stories, you ask about people's life and you find out there's a little bit more there. This is meant, again, to happen over a lifetime. It's not, happening, not, not about just happening overnight. Just go for one cheerleader, Amen. Amen. One cheerleader, one mentor, and then maybe add a critic later. Once you get some momentum, just just start just start there. Don't don't start with the critic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the
2: actual question was.
0: Oh, apologize. No, no, that was great.
2: That was good. Okay. Um,
0: Thank you, Gus, for. Money to ask. No. Uh, so you talked about the vision, right? Yep. Not by choice always. Like, what do you do when you don't feel like waking
2: up and studying, but you, it's still part of this calling. You feel like, you know what I mean?
0: Like, so we'll talk about that a little bit more tonight when we talk about assignments, um, which is, I think, a good conversation. But I would just respond, and I don't have all the answers to everything at all. I'm just sharing some stuff I've learned along the way. I think you cast vision according to the life assignment that you are in. So, let me just clarify, you may not be wired to get up at 5 a.m., and that's okay, but you. <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> you own it, girl. She owned it. She's like, extreme ownership, that ain't me. I ain't doing that. But so maybe, maybe you're the most productive from nine till midnight. So, so I just was using that as an example, but I would say this. Cast vision according to your life assignment. Are you a, you a, a medical student? Resident. Okay, so you're a resident. Your assignment is to survive and, and thrive residency. That's your assignment. And then with whatever time you have, pour life and value into this praxis community. So I think your vision is, I want to survive and thrive my residency. And I want to maintain relationships that are important to me. And so I think you've, you've got to craft a vision that makes sense for the life assignment that you're in. So you may say, like, my vision in 10 years is to have 50 clinics around the country and be running international projects. That's great. That may come, but if you don't, if you don't survive and thrive in residency, there's not going to be 50 clinics. So reframe, reframe your vision according to the assignment that you're in. Don't get overwhelmed with the next 30 years. Just, I'm trying not to go too much into this evening, but just crush your current assignment and let God take care of the next, I'm I'm telling too much, I'm telling too much. Let God take care of the next assignment. But for me, don't stress yourself out. Like, do a great job at your residency and, and maintain healthy relationships, pour into praxis. And just get a vision that makes sense for where you're at in life right now.
2: Right. Now, I want to be cognizant of the fact that I'm facing this direction and I like hardly look at the side of the room. Have there been any raised hands over here? <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's, that's, that's all you. I, I just wanted to ask a question about burnout. In a sense, yeah.
0: In in a ministry context or just in life in general? (laughs) Thank thank you. (laughs) Um, I would say this. In a ministry context, burnout usually is tied to three things that I have seen. Philip, I'm sure, can add to this too. Um, You and God aren't rolling at a level of depth that is life-giving. And so you're doing ministry to connect people to the source of life without being connected to the source of life yourself. So it's like you're not connected to the well, but yet you're bringing people to the well. And so for whatever, like you and God are just not having that raw, open, here's where I'm at, kind of a relationship. And so I think that is one. Second, I think, is people are not leading themselves well, so you feel the pressure to minister, but your cup is so empty and you're just empty. So you maybe have neglected or you got a disconnected relationship with God, and that's your source of life. So because of that, you're forgetting your worth and value, and so you take in your worth and value and you're trying to get that in ministry. That's never going to end up well. And so you have those two areas. And then third would be that you are serving in a non-gifting area. So you're doing something that you're not gifted to do. You know, and I think there are all times when we just have to serve for the greater good of the community, and we just have to serve. But when you talk about serving long-term, you always wanna be aligning your service with your gifting. Are you kind of with me on this one? And so you always wanna be looking at, like, how can I, over time, better align the gifts that God has given me with my opportunities to serve? So when you are serving, it is life-giving because it's utilizing the gifts you know, that, that God has given you. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. All
2: right.
0: Which is the, the life one? Yeah, I, I would say it's, it's probably almost identical in that maybe it's not serving in ministry, but maybe you have a career that's taken up eight hours of your day that is sucking the life out of you because the career is not in alignment with your gifting. And so it may mean that you need to shift some things over time, career-wise, so you don't hate your job. Okay, you kinda say, I'm not telling anybody, like, Sunday night, send your resignation. That's not not (laughs) what I'm saying. Listen, listen, let God lead, mentors, wisdom, pray, be wise, take time. But I am saying that over time, look at how your career is aligning with your gifts and your wiring. And uh, look at how you can begin to kind of shift that over time. Hey, right.
2: more, let's do one more here, and if you've got another question, we, we'll see where we can. How get about these the
0: these two ahead. right there? When you were in the of yep. was there a point where you felt like you lost motivation? Mean, oh yeah. Here's here's the, the truth. And uh, the truth is you're not always gonna be motivated, so you have to be disciplined. Okay? When I was in the middle of the pandemic, every, every fitness gym was closed. Okay? They're all closed CrossFit, 24 hour fitness, it's all closed. It was just me in my dark, cold garage in Portland, Oregon. Okay? You think the motivation was there? Like, ah, let's go to the garage. Okay? <laughs> like, like, babe we'll get our 20 minutes in tonight i'm going to the garage you know no like the motivation wasn't there but the discipline was and i knew over time if i want to have the energy for what matters most which is my relationship with my wife being a great engaged dad to my two kids and having energy to do what we're doing this weekend i had to go to the garage and i had to put in the time so when you aren't motivated, you just have to be disciplined and you have to do it because you know you need to do it. And over time, you'll see and experience the benefits so much that you don't wanna not do it because you know how positive that thing is, you know, you know, for your life. One more, last one. So I like how you're talking about like every time you say yes to more. Yep. Um, I learned that I, I'm always about giving credit to people I learned that from a guy named Doug Fields who was the longtime youth pastor with Rick Warren at Saddleback Church and Doug Fields wrote a little tiny book it's you can get it on Amazon called what matters most little tiny tiny book and what he shared in the book and I met him in person a few times is he just said that same thing he said he said give yourself permission to say no so you can say yes to what matters most. And the truth is, the truth is this, oh, this is so good, because it's been so good for me. The truth is, when your identity, worth and value is anchored in God, you can say no, because the invitation does not have an effect on your worth and your value. And so many times, the reason we're saying yes is because it strokes our ego even when we don't have the bandwidth. And it, 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 in that moment, makes us feel like we're wanted and we're valuable. I get that. And I get about serving, but my worth and value is in God. And so if I don't feel at peace with saying yes to the opportunity, I'm going to graciously say no or even no for right now so I can focus on the priorities. Case study would be, um, I I do a lot of speaking and sharing. If, let's say, Somebody came and they said, hey, can you come and fly to Pennsylvania and speak for a 1,000 TLT Pathfinders? I love TLTs. I I really do. Uh, Raising up young leaders. But what God has called me into is really the demographic that is in this room. So what I'm probably going to do is graciously say, I'm so honored for that opportunity. But I'm going to have to say no, because if I take that opportunity, I can't have this opportunity. Because I only have so much bandwidth for my family and my kids. So that might be an example of, of what that is. Um, and so I think, again, when your identity is anchored, it gives you permission to own and steward opportunities and invitations because you know that your worth and value doesn't come from the opportunities and the invitations.
2: All right. Can we give another big round of applause, man? Thank Thanks. you. So
0: much. Hey, thank you
1: so much for joining us for the Night Church Podcast. We really are excited for where we're going and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you wanna follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to LLUC.org give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there. On a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment, it makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.